Hey guys, if you're interested in checking out a video version of the show, please visit the Low Key Geek channel on YouTube. There you can not only catch the video version of the podcast, but you can also check out my other projects and short form video that I produce. You can find a link in the description. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? It is Thanksgiving week, and I thought it would be nice for this week's Talking Talk pod showcast to give thanks to all of you. Why? Well, there are obvious reasons, because without you, I wouldn't have a channel. Without you guys, I wouldn't be continuing on this journey of being a podcaster slash YouTuber or what have you like that. Um, but something else I will reveal after the intro. So that plus, what are some great Thanksgiving movies to watch? There are not a lot, but there are some. And some other entertainment news that happened in the past week and a half. So it's the Talking Talk Pod Showcast coming at you now. Hey, hey, hey. We are back. I am back. It is Talking Talk Show. Talking Talk Pod Showcast. What's up, everybody? Um, it is episode 11 of the Talking Talk Pod Showcast. Uh, I am you. I am you. You are me. Hello, everybody. Um, I am your host, Renee. And. If you are returning to the channel or if you've been viewing me and or listening to me uh, every week, welcome back. If you are new to the channel, here's the little spiel. The Talking Talk Pod Showcast is your unofficial weekly pop culture podcast where I talk about the latest in movies, streaming, collectibles, what have you, and put my little spin on things. Not every episode is going to be so centric on the you know all the topics but there are going to be some main topics that i will talk about week after week um but this is a special episode because we are celebrating today uh and i'll get to that in a minute but it's also thanksgiving so uh, a little holiday talk um depending on when you are listening or watching to this um you are either about to be ready and gorge yourself in the goodness of Thanksgiving goodies and food. You are recovering and maybe half asleep after devouring all the food. Or you are enjoying some of the leftovers through the weekend because what is Thanksgiving without having a ton of leftovers, right? So whenever you are listening or watching, I thank you guys as always. Um, Episodes are uploaded on YouTube every week. Um, I am trying to find a definitive day to maintain week after week for the show. And I'm going to actually ask some input from you guys. Now, I was thinking maybe Fridays, either noontime or Fridays at 7 p.m. I was thinking maybe Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings or Monday evenings maybe Monday morning. Why don't you guys let me know in the comments what days you would prefer for this show to go live uh, on YouTube. And for those of you who are listening on your podcast platform of choice, yes, you can listen to the show 
on your podcast platform of choice like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. The links are all in the description of this video and or podcast. So I thank you guys, all you audible listeners. Um, we are uh, very close to approaching 200 downloads. So that is very good news there. So yeah, let me know in the comments what days you think is best for a program like mine and when you are more free and willing to listen and watch. I mean, obviously you could always listen and watch anytime during the week, but to to catch it on a specific day, I am curious as to what you guys think. So it is Thanksgiving and I, uh, just like all Thanksgivings, and again, it's, it's Thanksgiving here in the U.S., so if you're listening um, internationally, uh, obviously you may not be aware, but you know, Thanksgiving here in the U.S. is a holiday that's been around for generations, and basically it is, uh, without getting into the controversial reasons as to why this is a holiday, what I have been accustomed to and what I usually practice is that it is a holiday to spend time with friends and family, um, really share the love with these special groups of people, and really give thanks for uh, whatever has transpired in the past year, past 10 years, what have you, uh, your whole lifetime uh, to this day, and just really appreciate the things that have uh, happened to you or you've accomplished or uh, appreciate those who are around you that you see every year. Um, so obviously with a lot of the stuff that has happened in the past year and a half, there's a lot of things to be thankful for. You know, hopefully all of us are healthy, uh, gainfully employed, right? And for those who are not, um, Hopefully, you are thankful for being able to live day by day without any major problems. Um, thankful for those around us, those who we can go to when we need to talk, those who are always there for us, those that we are there for, right? Uh, the friendships, the family, and all that stuff. And as I was teasing at the top of the show, I am extremely thankful for all that I've accomplished because of all of you who are watching and listening. And the reason because of that is uh, earlier this week, it has uh, been officially uh, achieved that this channel, the YouTube channel specifically, has hit uh, over 500 subscriptions. Uh, so we have over 500 subscribers, all part of the Loki Geek community. And I know... For those who may not be well-versed in this space, that might seem kind of small because you are familiar with a lot of the major YouTubers or channels out there that have thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of subscribers, right? But keep in mind, I've only been doing this really for uh, slightly a year and a half. And for a small channel like mine to accomplish this goal uh, within this period of time is a huge milestone. And I am humbled. I am really, really thankful for all the love and support that has been given to me and this channel and this venture for the last year and a half. Um, it's been an interesting journey, you know, like it's been one of those journeys that like many of, uh, people out there and maybe some of you, um, it started because of 
via events that are happening in the world. And the reason why I never like really talk about, you know, the major event, you know, is because, well, frankly, whenever the time comes for videos to be monetized on my channel, um, advertisers shy away from that type of topic. So whenever I say the events of the world, you are all smart enough and you know exactly what I'm talking about. So it spawned because of that, not entirely um, the 100% reason, but it definitely fast-tracked things for me. So, you know, maybe some of you already know the story, and but, you know, given that we have a lot of new viewers and a lot of new subscribers, maybe some new listeners, uh, I'll give you a little brief background about myself. For So for um, about 13 years prior to me doing all of this, I spent those years in the corporate world um, in advertising. I was in advertising more on the operations uh, and relationships and technology side of things. And, you know, it was a, a wonderful time. And it's the longest time I've ever spent in a career of, of whatever career that I was in. I was in the video game industry for a while. I was in customer service. Uh, of course, I dabbled in food and beverage and retail for a little bit. But when it comes to uh, a longevity of a kind of um, niche career that I was in, advertising was it. And I fell into it just because I was helping out with the customer service of this one company. Then I did some web producing and then it just led to, hey, we need someone to... Um, you know, monitor and work on uh, the advertising for the websites that we, you know, manage and all that. Of course, I was like, what the hell does that mean? But I learned as I went and that grew and grew and grew and grew. You know, eventually I managed teams and whatever have you, whatever. But prior to uh, the major lockdown that happened a year ago, I decided to step away from the corporate world because frankly, I was burnt out. I was extremely tired and exhausted. And I was tired of um, working for other people that don't appreciate the amounts of work or the hard work that, you know, I put through. And, I'm, and I know a lot of you feel the same way, right? So you probably know where I'm coming from. And for the longest time, I've always wanted to do something different. And I wanted to do something on my own. Um, and this is not the first venture that I, I partook in as far as starting a business or what have you. I have had experiences doing this multiple times. Um, but this is the first time that I did it solo. And, you know, when I quit my job in uh, March of uh, 2020, at first I had another plan. I was uh, gearing up and planning out a year worth of travel. I was going to drive cross country here in the U.S., which is something I've always wanted to do. Um, and I knew it was going to take about a month, maybe even two, because I wanted to take my time. I wanted to enjoy the sights, the sounds, you know, the people. I wanted to really experience, I guess, for two months being a nomad, going cross country and living around, you know. Um, and then I was going to do more international travel, which is something that I've always done and I wanted to do more of. But little did we know, the big event happened 
we didn't all expect this to be a major thing and we also didn't all expect it to last this long so we found ourselves stuck at home and i was wondering what, what am i gonna do now right um at first you know i kind of just hung out you know just relaxed and you know got a lot of sleep but then i figured you know let me start doing something and what i've always been wanting to do was i wanted to always have some sort of program or do some sort of um podcast where i talk about the things that i love i love movies i love um tv shows i love collectibles i love video games um pop culture uh everyone who knows me to be the pop culture junkie in my circles right so I wanted to be able to talk about that freely with other people like myself, you know, build a community. So at first what I did is I actually went on Twitch and I started streaming live on Twitch and I would play games and talk to people. I focused a lot on, you know, some of the newer stuff, but I love playing the old school games. So I was very big into retro and stuff like that. And I did that for like most of 2020. With YouTube being very secondary, I would po probably upload some highlights from my Twitch streams and whatever. And I did do a podcast on uh, a weekly basis uh, that was uploaded on YouTube. Um, but then at the end of 2020, I got burnt out from streaming on Twitch because, you know, when you, if you know it or not, when you stream on Twitch, you're dedicating at least four to six hours per stream on the day that you're going live. Um, streaming for like two hours, if you are not a particular like podcast show or some sort of like scripted program, then playing a game for only an hour or two, you're not really going to gain an audience, right? You're not really going to be able to build a community that way. So you really have to dedicate time. Um, and I was doing it three times a week. So it was very time consuming. And yeah, it, it was like having a job, which is perfectly fine. But I missed doing things that I really were passionate about doing. And that's actually creating video, you know, editing video. You know, those of you who watch my videos on uh, YouTube, you know, I do a lot of movie reviews. I do a lot of recaps. Um, I do some insights on certain topics, and I love having fun with that stuff. Not all of my reviews are serious. Sometimes I like to have fun, but that's that's me, right? That's what I love to do. Um, but I love that. I love being able to create in that aspect, in that way. And on Twitch, you're not really creating. You are just streaming live. Now, you could be creating based off of maybe you have some topics or scripted material that you want to put out there while you're playing the games. Maybe you're playing games differently or whatever. But really, it's more just like a hangout, which is also perfectly fine. And it's stuff that I kind of miss doing. Um, but I just couldn't find myself dedicating that much time every week to do that. So when this year started, I decided I'm going to dedicate my time fully on YouTube and the podcast platform. You know, so I took a break. I took a little break from the weekly podcast while I adjusted and I decided what am I going to do and what my um, structure is going to be like for the rest of the year. Um, and then that's what led me here. You know, I did. I still do 
my my main thing is doing movie reviews every week. I do now this new version of the podcast every week. Um, whenever something big happens, I will dedicate a video to that during the week. You know, I am slowly working on a video game program that will be uploaded on the channel once a week. So, you know, I got a lot of things that I'm working on, and but I'm enjoying this. I'm really, really fully enjoying this. And of course, when you're starting something new, you don't know who's going to be attracted to it, who, what kind of audience you're going to build. Um, and I've been pleasantly surprised and, again, very humbled and all that. You know, I, I am often asked, well, why do you do this stuff? Why do you like to do it? You know, what drives you? What, where is that passion coming from? And, of course, it's, it's, you know, when you hang out with your friends, you find yourselves always sharing a certain bond over a specific topic or genre or something like that. And the best thing is when you're just talking about the latest movie you watched, the latest TV program, right? Hey, did you check out that new game that just came out? Oh, my God, I'm having a hard time with this level or whatever. And you could get, you know, when you're with your friends, you talk hours upon hours about this stuff. So already inherently, I love talking about all that stuff. I've always been fascinated with box office numbers for movies. So that's why I do my weekly um, box office minute on Mondays. Because for that, for me, that is fascinating because you, you get to learn what the audience out there is watching, where they're going, and the business side of things, right? I always found that very you know, exciting and interesting. Um, you know, and I love talking about certain things within the news. Oh, this thing got announced. That new trailer just came out and all that. Now, I'm not a big trailer reactor or whatever. Um, you know, there's so many other channels and people who do that way better than I would have done. You know, but from time to time, I may, you know, mess around or do a recap of what I saw, just like I did with the latest Spider-Man trailer and all that. Um, but I just really love talking about the space and talking about things within the space. And I love sharing, you know, my thoughts, my commentary with people. And if I could build a community and share all that with several people like yourselves, I want to be able to engage in that conversation. And that's the thing that I found myself always interested in, engaging with the community and engaging in conversation. And recently it brought me back to the time when I recalled one of the, as I mentioned, business ventures that I went into was that I had my own personal uh, retail establishment. It's not a store. I didn't have a physical store. But what I would do is that I would go to the local comic book conventions or anime conventions and I would set up a booth and I imported a lot of stuff from Japan. You know, I signed up and teamed up and partnered up with a lot of warehouses, official distribution centers and all that stuff. And I basically sold anime and gaming goods, you know, your DVDs, your plushes, your shirts, hats. Uh, jewelry, uh, the trading card games, uh, Heroclix, if you guys know what Heroclix is, uh, I did a lot of that. Um, unique stuff that I was able to find like stationary sets or keychains or, you know what, you if you've been to a convention, you know exactly the times of stuff that I would sell. And 
the reason why I was reminded of that recently is um, something I actually want to show you guys. Now, this is um, a cash box, right? This is something that I purchased when I started that business venture. Uh, the company that I created was called Anime Gamer. Again, because I was focusing a lot on uh, trading card games, hero clicks, uh, and anime stuff, right? So I did this with uh, an ex of mine, with an ex of mine, and this was a, a joint venture, right? And again, going into something so new, you don't know what's going to happen, right? You don't know what to expect. And but I wanted to do this because I am very passionate at the time about anime and gaming and all that. And I wanted to do something with that passion, which I hope all of us can one day say that we were able to do. Right. So I opened this up and as you could see, it's a, you know, very typical cash box and all that. But I totally forgot that I had. um posted in here with tape the first uh, sale that I was able to make at the first convention I, I attended. Um, so it was $10. It is the first piece of money that uh, the company was able to, to make. And the date on here is December 2007. I was able to do this for a good three years. Sorry, excuse me, as I put this down, because I don't have a lot of space. <laughs> but I was able to do this for a good three years. Two with my ex, one solo, you know, because uh, unfortunately there was, you know, a falling out or what have you. But the one thing that I remember and recalling the first year was that, and, and mind you, if you've been to a convention and you know where the, all the dealers are and all that, it's a huge space and placement is very important. Our, my placement was terrible. I was all the way in the back because I was a new distributor. I was a new retail, right? I didn't have clout. I didn't have a following, what have you. So more than likely those who are coming down already spent most of the money in the front, right? However, when people would trickle in and they would start looking at my stuff, I would start engaging in conversation if I noticed that they were really like heavily looking at something. The great thing was is that everything I sold, I knew about 100%. I knew about the stories. I knew about the characters. I, you know, because again, I was a fan. I was a fan providing a service to other fans. So I would engage in conversations at times that would last 20, 30 minutes. People were, were saying, stop talking so much, you know, try to sell, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't listen because I actually enjoyed the conversation. And what would happen, as you know, conventions last three days or longer or two days. Everyone I spoke to came back the next day and spent money with me. Why? Because they were able to have a connection and they trusted me, which was fantastic. And I continued doing that to the point where the following year, the same conventions I would go to, I had people waiting for me to show up. 
Oh, I couldn't. I was hoping you'd be here. I remember you from last year. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, let's talk about this new thing. Have you watched this? Have you? What's new? Oh, my God. And on day one, I already had transactions. The third year, I would even go to another type of convention and I would meet the same people there. And the reputation started growing. Now, unfortunately, I had to stop because doing it alone is a lot of work. You know, you had I had to go to my storage space, get all the goods, you know, rent a van, transport that to whatever convention hall or center I had to go to. You know, I would ask my friends to help me out, you know, set up the booth, man the booth. You know, these conventions, I didn't even get to walk around. Rarely did I ever get to walk around. Um, you know, make sure that no one's stealing because theft does happen a lot at these conventions. Um, you know, and, and doing all of that while still engaging with the customer, engaging with the people walking by, you know. And it was a lot of fun, but it was a lot of work. And at the time, I was also still working a nine to five. Um, I believe at that time I was working in the in the video game industry. So it was just a lot of work to do and I eventually had to stop. Um, but I was lucky because this was during the time where the uh, kind of the anime bubble here in the United States burst because too many companies were rushing out too much product in a short period of time that they ran out. So there was nothing new to watch and if there's nothing new to watch, the fandom drops, right? Because there's nothing new to be a fan of. And it it was like that for a good several years. You know, and then for those of you who are really into anime, um, you would know this period of time. You would remember this period of time. Um, so I would see my neighbors that I used to be around and they would tell me stories about, oh my God, you know, it's a good thing you, you left when you did. We're not being, we're not able to sell anything, blah, 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 all that stuff. But at that point, I really didn't care about the money. You know, I broke even, which again, for three years is very rare. Um, I missed the conversation. I missed the engagement. I missed hearing what people love, learning their passions, you know, um, being able to engage in that same conversation with them and seeing the smiles on their on their faces when they're able to talk about the things that they love i miss that and what was that if if i started in, in so around 2010 uh 2011 that's when i ended things and i went on nine ten years without ever being able to do that then when I started Twitch, I was able to get that sense again, you know, because I would be able to engage with the viewers, you know, YouTube, you guys who comment, I'm being able to engage with all of you guys. And that's why I love doing this stuff. You know, that's why I love being able to do a show every week or upload a review or a recap to talk about these passions, to talk about these things that as a community we're all into. And 
all I'm looking forward to is having these discussions and conversations with all of you guys. So again, I thank all of you guys sincerely for, you know, your support, for tuning in every week, for all of your comments, your feedback, um, because without any of that, I don't know how long I would have been able to do this, but it's actually making this a very pleasurable and enjoyable experience. And of course, I am looking forward to continue. Hopefully, when the community grows more, um, I will be able to do more stuff with you guys. You know, I'm hoping that eventually I can have uh, one of my friends or two of my friends join in on the programming week to week. Maybe I'll get to interview people or interview whatever other uh, content creators that are within our space, do collaborations and all that. Um, and that's another reason why, you know, you always hear me always say, hey, don't forget, hit that subscribe button if you're not subscribed yet or hit that like um, because it helps spread the word. And it's very true. You know, when you're listening, if you're an audio listener, you know, make sure to download the episodes every week. Make sure to, um, you know, give a good rating on Apple Podcasts because that lets peop other people know that this could be an interesting community to be a part of. It opens up the doors to also advertisers, sponsorships and all that that actually help the channel grow. You know, and it makes things uh, a lot easier for me to be able to add more content, to be able to do more things um, that hopefully all of you guys enjoy. So 500 subs, we're over 500 subs. Here's to the next 500. Um, my next goal is 1,000. Uh, hopefully that could be an accomplishment I'll make by next summer. That's kind of like the, the timeline I'm giving myself. When 2021 started, and uh, I kind of listed out on a spreadsheet the goals I wanted to accomplish for this year. And honestly, I listed YouTube subscriber growth 500. That was my goal. And it's not even the end of the year yet. Um, and I was able to accomplish that. So again, I am very grateful. And thank you guys so much, guys and gals. Uh, and here's to continue journeys with all of you. So um, yeah. So giving all those thanks to all of you guys on this lovely Thanksgiving holiday. Um, so something that I do from time to time, especially in the holidays, and maybe you remember this if you caught my Halloween episode, I like to talk about what kind of movies to watch during these holidays, right? Now, when you think of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is so like right before Christmas, right? So most people, I feel like they always focus on the holiday Christmas movies, right? But there are a handful of Thanksgiving type of movies out there that maybe we are aware of or not too aware of, right? And, you know, I'm going to give you my personal four right now. But if you guys have any other, guys and gals, if you have any other Thanksgiving movie recommendations, let me know in the comments because I would love to hear about them. But I feel like some of these are our staples, Right. Um, and, you know, maybe one of these movies some of you have not seen yet. So number one on my list, and it's a tradition since I was a kid, it's the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. You uh, could not be a kid 
especially here in the United States, around Thanksgiving and not see this pop up on TV every year. Unfortunately, you don't see that anymore these days. Um, but I would remember, um, you know, growing up, I never had cable. So I was always reliant on network television or what have you. And are always around this time in the holiday, you know, usually, okay, here's the, the procedure, right? You wake up Thursday morning, you watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? Then usually it's after that, it's time to eat. Stuff your face, all that, you take a nap. And then towards the night, that's usually when you have your movies that you watch. And Charlie Brown was definitely one of those movies. Um, so it's a classic. Um, I'm sure many of you have seen it. So that's definitely on the list there. One, if you're looking for a comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. The classic with Steve Martin and John Candy. I mean, this is a comedy classic that you would watch even when it's not the holiday. It's a funny, funny movie about a guy trying to get home for Thanksgiving, but he's traveling with a wackadoo, right? And it's just comedy gold. And John Candy really shines in this movie. You know, it's you really get to see the comedic genius of John Candy. And the chemistry he had with Steve Martin was phenomenal. You don't really see this a lot these days with movies, especially when it's like a holiday buddy movie. You don't get that a lot anymore. Um, and I feel like, especially in the 80s, there were so many of those going around. So definitely a huge classic there. My own personal favorite, and one that a lot of people tend to forget, is Adam's Family's Adam's Family Values, the sequel to the live-action Adam's Family. Um, this movie is flat-out hilarious. And it's a pure Thanksgiving movie because it does take place around Thanksgiving, the holidays. The best part, by far, is when the kids go off to the day camp or the sleepaway camp. And they're doing the Thanksgiving um, pageant or play, right? You have Wednesday doing this really morbid rendition of her vision of thanksgiving you know one of the the kids there falls in love with her it's so adorable it is just so funny christina ricci it was just a gem during this period of time um but the entire movie was just really really it's rare that you get to see a sequel be as good as the original and i would definitely put this up on that list you know <clears throat> really really funny and if you haven't seen it i totally recommend you guys check it out um and then one that i came across now i've watched this movie but i never really saw it as or considered it to be a thanksgiving movie but a lot of people are now adding this to their thanksgiving list and that's knives out Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Um, now, admittedly, I've only seen it once. So I actually don't even recall if this took place during the Thanksgiving holiday. But I think one of the reasons why people are considering this to be a Thanksgiving movie, 
a more modern Thanksgiving movie is because it revolves around family. And what do we do usually around Thanksgiving? We gather around family. In this case, it's family gathering and reuniting because they're trying to figure out who killed one of their family members, right? Who killed the main dude? Um, it's a murder mystery, comedic type of murder mystery that's also kind of thrilling and what have you. Um, it reminds me a lot of like Clue. Um, and you really get to see Ryan Johnson shine as a director in this movie. Because unfortunately, a lot of people really judge him for uh, The Last Jedi, the Star Wars movie that he directed. And I think that's unfair. You know, he directed Looper, which was a great take on time travel. And then Knives Out, that he did already after The Last Jedi. And I think the audiences who watched it were very thrilled and pleased and said it was a great movie. I, I loved it a lot. It's just I never had a chance to really revisit it. Again, there's so many movies and all that stuff like that. So it is kind of hard to you know revisit classics. But I feel like this is something I need to revisit. And maybe I'll do so during this holiday. So, so yeah, so the, very short list. But And there are others out there, you know. Um, I saw someone mention The Blind Side. Uh, that uh, that is a good Thanksgiving movie. Again, I feel like anything that is heavily revolving family, that's heavily, you know, you got a family-centric type of movie, gathering, reunion, support, that qualifies, I guess, for a Thanksgiving movie. But if there are any others out there that you guys are really into, uh let me know in the comments because I, I would be very, very curious about that. So, so yeah, so that really talks about the holidays and what have you. Now, there, there are some uh, bits of news that I am very excited about that happened within the last week and a half that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit. Um, but before I continue, uh, I wanted to let you guys know that in celebration of the 500 subscribers that I was able to, that the channel has been able to accomplish, I am gearing up and getting ready for a special giveaway for one of you uh, viewers and audio listeners. So I'm planning to release the details on Black Friday. So if you want to stay in touch and um, stay uh, notified about the details behind that giveaway. I suggest you follow me on Twitter. Link is in the description and I will make an announcement and I'll pin tweet it uh, on my profile uh, so that you guys can go to it. And obviously I would probably just ask you guys to retweet it and just make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, details will be released on Friday. So stay tuned for that. Um, so Blade, we all know that Disney and Marvel, they're working on a new Blade movie. They're rebo rebooting Blade as a character and they cast uh, Maharshala Ali in the title role. Uh, when this was announced, everyone lost their mind. And I, per I personally think it's a brilliant casting without giving any spoilers in one of the more recent Marvel movies we were hinted and reminded that he is coming 
again i won't say anything else about that uh, because it's it hasn't hit the 30 days well i may have just given it away but anyway i just don't want to talk about it yet very freely without any additional spoiler warnings or what have you but we were reminded that he is coming back and we were reminded again that they're working on this movie because they just cast Delroy Lindo will be part of the Blade movie that they are working on. And when I read this news, I was thrilled because I am such a huge fan of this actor. This guy is one of the most underrated actors out there. When Defy Bloods came out last year, by far, hands down, he was the best actor in that movie. And that movie had Chadwick Boseman um, and of course everyone was thinking like oh Chadwick is going to be amazing in this movie Chadwick was in the movie for maybe 15 minutes Delroy had monologues conversations you know he had a tragic story all throughout and it was so brilliantly portrayed by Delroy you know Recently on Netflix, he, they just released uh, The Harder They Fall, which is a black Western, a modernized Western, I would say. I enjoyed it. Um, I still have yet to upload my review about the movie. So again, stay tuned to the channel for that coming. Um, but Delroy was in that movie. And again, you get to see his brilliance as an actor in, in this movie. So I'm really really excited for him to be part of the MCU and part of Blade. Now, what character is he going to portray? I mean, come on. I think it makes sense if he takes on the mantle of Whistler, who is kind of like that mentor or like uh, main strategist or partner of Blade. Uh, if you remember... Um, the Wesley Snipes Blade movie, Whistler was an integral part, especially in the first one. Um, hold on one second. Uh, it was, yes, Chris Christopherson portrayed uh, Whistler in the Wesley Snipes Blade movie. Uh, and, you know, he was like a vampire hunter. He created a lot of the gadgets and the technology to track them down and fight them off. And, of course, Blade took over all that stuff worked with him blade became the muscle he became more of like the um you know the i don't know if you would call him the the uh brains behind the operations or what have you um kind of like um alfred to bruce wayne or whatever so whistler is a very important character um so i think it would make perfect sense if Delroy was cast as well, sir. But we'll see. Not a lot of details have been given about this movie at all. Um, and it still weighs off. I believe it's they're not expecting to release this movie until 2023, right? So I am extremely excited. Let me know it, what you guys think about the casting news about that. In other casting news, also with Disney, but this time in Star Wars, I am so excited that they announced that they casted Sabine Wren for the new Ahsoka series. 
um, starring Rosaria Dawson as Ahsoka. You know, we saw her pop up in season two of The Mandalorian. So it was a matter of time before we got a separate standalone series for her, especially now that this is in the future now, past all the events of Rebels. Sabine Wren was a major character within Rebels. Many people's favorite character i think she's very dynamic i think there's a lot to do in there she's a man you know she's also a mandalorian too she is from mandalore plus she's also very artsy she's into a lot of you know graffiti and graphics and and art and colors and all that so she stands out because a lot of the mandalorians are very like to one note or whatever so she's definitely very unique so they cast they casted natasha liu bardizzo in the role now i am not familiar at all with anything that she's done i believe when i looked her up she's done a lot of like streaming shows um like these small bit streaming shows or what have you so this is going to be a huge huge uh role for her i would probably say this is going to be uh her really huge breakout and debut where a lot of people are going to get more familiar with her and probably she's going to wow a lot of folks too um i read that she is uh, a black belt uh she is familiar with uh judo and kung fu which i'm sure will really come in handy with this type of role because sabine is very nimble she is she is a fighter uh, but what makes this so exciting is that now that we know sabine is going to be in ahsoka hayden christensen is going to be in ahsoka because that was announced not too long ago. More than likely, Katie Sackhoff is going to return as Bo-Katan, right? Does that mean it's going to be really a pure Rebels reunion, but in live-action form? Are we going to see Thrawn? Are we going to see Ezra? Because we know Ahsoka's looking for Thrawn. That is 100% her main goal, Right? And we know the last time we saw Thrawn in Rebels, he was with Ezra. So are we going to be able to see them too? I am really excited for this series. Really, really excited because I am a huge Rebels fan. And I know a lot of people, the main criticism is always like, well, you guys are always wanting to connect things, right? Ahsoka's here, so now you're going to be connecting everything from Rebels. And maybe a lot of you never watched Rebels, right? Blah, 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 blah. But if the story is good, what are we complaining about? You know? Oh, you're making the universe too small. Everything's connected. Yeah, but... You know, things happen within a universe that's so easy to travel around anyway in this in this reality that you are going to get connections, right? It's kind of like, you know, when you here in New York, we have five boroughs, but majority of the people work in Manhattan. You're going to bump into people. People you know that you probably went to school with or that you worked with at a job is doing something else within that city. If that person happened to be high of stature, and you are too, you're going to run around in the same circles. That's just how it works. Again, if the story is good, what does it matter? A 
Ahsoka is a beloved character. And we know where she came from. She was introduced in Clone Wars. Which spilled into Rebels. Now she has a live action version. Of course you're going to see people from her past show up. Because that is her through line. That's her story. I wasn't expecting to see Sabine. Heck, I wasn't expecting to see Hayden Christensen come back. As Anakin. Annie. I was thinking Katie Sackhoff is going to come back. Because, you know, that's Boca. She already made her appearance in The Mandalorian. Which was brilliant. You know, she was the one that told good old Mando over there where where to find Ahsoka. So she's involved in the storylines, what have you. Ahsoka make it very clear that she's looking for somebody and we already know who that is. Right? So it's exciting. It's it's all it's gonna be fun, you know. And I I give kudos to Rosario Dawson for really really portraying this character so well that it it's making people want to see her more, see this character more. And I have a feeling when we get closer to really really understanding and knowing what this show is gonna be about, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And it hasn't, it hasn't been clear if this is going to be a standalone or if this is potentially an ongoing series like The Mandalorian. Heck, we don't even know how much longer The Mandalorian will run either. We got the Book of Boba Fett coming out this year at the end of the year. Mando season three next year, right? I mean, who, how much longer are they going to be able to stretch this storyline of The Mandalorian when you've made introductions to other things that could be spinoffs so very easily, right? Or potentially things that could take over. So regardless, um, I am very excited. I can't wait to see what's going to come out of all that. Again, interested to hear what all of you think. So let me know in the comments about that stuff. All right. Um... We had some anniversaries that hit us, major ones, major anniversaries pop up, um, especially if you are a gamer, if you're into video games. So uh, Xbox and GameCube, Nintendo GameCube, celebrated their 20th anniversaries recently. And each one of them, I would say, holds a very significant spot in video game history. Let's start off with the Nintendo GameCube. So, for the longest time, Nintendo has refused to adapt to the ROM generation, CD-ROM generation, disc. They were very adamant about maintaining that cartridge, um, that cartridge uh, usage, right? You know, that's how their first system was. The Nintendo, the Super Famicom, and then the Nintendo 64. Around the time when most next-gen systems were transitioning off of cartridge formats and going into more of the ROM formats, right? The discs format. PlayStation, Sega. You know, 
Nintendo was refusing to to move on. They love to be proprietary, very much like Apple, right? The GameCube was significant because it was the first time they did so. But of course, they did it in a manner where they made it still very proprietary. They put out their games in these mini discs, which were fun, you know, because it was very niche. It was very alluring because it was very different. But as a game developer and publisher, it was very annoying. Because that means you had to procure specific material hardware to be able to burn these things that you could only get directly from Nintendo. Plus, you got to purchase the disc directly from them. And it was a nightmare to be around if you were a game maker, if you were a developer and all that. For us, uh, for, you know, other people who are just consumers, it was cute. So that was one significance of Nintendo. But the other significance, too, is that the GameCube was also being advertised as a portable gaming unit. Y'all remember it had the handle so that you could carry this from place to place, right? It was meant, the system was really encouraging people to play socially with it. Hence why you had, they kept the four controller ports in the front, just like they did with the Nintendo 64. You know, one of the standout game-wise, games of that time, on that system ended up being, of course, Mario Kart and Mario Party. So you would, people would travel around carrying this thing with the handle, go to a friend's house or wherever, and they would all play. This was the start, I think, personally, of Nintendo thinking about a home console that was portable. Because the Nintendo was not meant to be that way. The Nintendo was meant to be part of your entertainment system with your, you know, steer receiver your VHS player, all that stuff. Super Nintendo came out, similar vein, right? Nintendo 64 was just more focused on updated graphics, right? Okay. GameCube came out, hey, let's make this a fun one. Let's make this a fun system. And then when they did the Wii, they totally were focusing again on playability and allowing more generations of fun experience right with the motion control and all that stuff like that and where we are now the nintendo switch what does it do it's a home console that is extremely portable and you could play it on the go so i truly feel like this was the start for nintendo to really think more about portability i mean they were already ruling with the game boy and all the iterations of Game Boys that came out afterwards. And then, which led to the DSs and all that. They rule the portability market. But those are just portable game. That's are portable game devices. So, of course, it was different software and all that stuff like that. This would be the first time that you could buy a home console and games for that console but being able to carry it around. Hence why they also created these mini discs. 
because they're a lot easier to be portable. You know, just take them out of their cases, put them in like a, a little sleeves. I remember they used to sell like these little portable um, sleeve binders that are, or pocket pouches or what have you. You know, pop it in and out, doot, 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 and all that. It was a fun system. It was a lot of fun. A lot of potential. A lot of great stuff came out for it. But it was just very short-lived, you know, because they had to move on and adapt to new things. So I have a lot of fond memories of the GameCube. A lot of great stuff. A lot of great gaming moments with my friends. Especially Crystal Chronicles. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. I was working in the game industry and we got that game. And we made it a point to play that game after work. Any chance we can. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Then you have Xbox. So, again, significance in video game history. This was the first time Microsoft decided to venture into the home console gaming market. They were laughed at. You know, there is a documentary somewhere. I don't remember where I saw it. I believe maybe it's on YouTube. I'm sure if you search on YouTube, you'll be able to find it. And it talks about the team who came up with the concept of the Xbox and how they had to pretty much bug the living crap out of everyone in order to get this idea off the ground. Um, and then eventually when they did and he got developed and everything like that, it was also laughed at when it came out because it was a behemoth of a console. This thing was like huge. And a little heavy. Then we also the controller, which you needed straight up gorilla hands, Bigfoot hands to hold this thing. If you weren't an NFL linebacker and you had small hands, this controller sucked for a lot of people. You know, and eventually later on down the line, they redesigned the controller and made it smaller. And then, you know, with every system that came out afterwards, you know, they tried to make it more lean, more, you know, aesthetically uh, pleasing to the eyes, right? Streamlined. But you cannot disregard the amount of interesting games, especially the first party games that came out. And hands down, it's Halo. Halo was a game changer at the time because not only was it a refreshing take on the first person shooter, but it revolutionized multiplayer. Everybody was playing Halo multiplayer, especially when Halo 2 came out. Forget it. That was, that's what blew it through the roof. I used to do with my friends, we used to have LAN parties, but not with PCs. We all used to bring our Xboxes and connect them just so we could play Halo. I'm sure a lot of you younger generation folk are like, what? What's a LAN party? You know, so I'm definitely speaking my age right now, but that was a lot of fun. Like I said, Halo 2 stepped it up a notch. Then the major accomplishment was when they created Xbox Live. 
Now you are able to connect online and play these games online with all of your friends. Now they weren't the first. Sega Dreamcast prior did the same thing, but it just wasn't really fully well adopted, adapted and executed. People forget the Dreamcast came already with a built-in modem. But the Xbox took it to that whole other level. You created a gamer tag. You were able to speak to all your friends or to other people. Create parties so that you could, you know, solidify your group so that communication is much easier. The system that they created to this day is probably the best online community slash multiplayer uh, system created for a console. It's so easy to be able to connect with friends online, so easy to join in on games. Now you could do it when you play games uh, on your Windows PC. I remember being a beta tester for Xbox Live. I signed up for that program and they sent me the kit. And my mind was blown. At that time, what we would play is Unreal Tournament 2. Because that was available on the Xbox. And I used to play that online with my friends. I was already playing it on my PC. But to be able to play it with a controller was a very unique experience. You know, and I beta tested all that stuff. I helped beta test it. I still have my beta test kit that they sent me with the really janky headset. You know, I I have all that stuff. Um, but yeah, the Xbox really changed the way we looked at Microsoft, I think, when it comes to gaming. And they really made a good name for themselves. Now, still, there's always going to be that argument which one is better, right? Sony or Microsoft. There's so many fanboy divisions. Uh, there's a lot of Sony fanboys out there. There's a lot of Xbox fanboys out there. Um, each offers their own unique experiences, pluses and minuses. You know, but for me personally, the Xbox was very easy to get into and manage. Um, and I had, uh, for me personally, I just found myself playing more games on the Xbox. And like I said, one of the main reasons was because the online experience was so much easier. And it took a long time for Sony to adapt to that and try to work with online and multiplayer and all that stuff like that. And I think they're still behind Microsoft when it comes to that stuff. My opinion. You know, but during that time, that era, when the Xbox came out, I was doing a lot of online gaming. And it was because, and thanks particularly to the Xbox. You know, playing a lot of Halo, like I mentioned before, Unreal Tournament. Um, you know, all these other games that came out, I can't remember right now. Um, Gears of War. Were you able to play Gears of War online? I don't remember. Um, 
but yeah it was it was so much fun and another reason why i really have fond memories of xbox and it's it's fine to talk about this now but it was one of the easiest systems to mod (laughs) it really was the architecture and the way that they put together that the main motherboard and the chips for those xboxes hackers were able to create mod chips almost overnight and you didn't have to have a lot of technical know-how if you wanted to mod it yourselves you would get the chip somehow right there are a lot of ways to do so especially if you lived in new york there are certain areas you can go and you could easily secure yourselves one of these chips and if you had very um introductory beginner level soldering skills within an hour you just modded your xbox then a couple years later on the modders became even smarter and created chips that you didn't even have to solder to these motherboards they would have these special contacts that as long as you align it properly just put it in place screw it in bam modded xbox and then the customizations the xbox had a hard drive but you were able to upgrade that hard drive three times the size sometimes four you were able to customize the ui to create themes and launch menus all that stuff it helped really revolutionary revolutionize the modding community the xbox made it extremely easy and modders hackers that whole community had a field day plus the media was your basic you know dvd so anyone could burn games burn software and be easily and easily um, play it on the Xbox. You were able to even upgrade the disk drive on the Xbox to a faster speed, so it could read things quicker, and it's easier for it to read burnable media. So yeah, a lot of fun memories. I've modded several of those machines for myself, for other people, and. After being able to do all that, you could easily build a library of 100 plus games with an additional uh, uh, upgraded hard drive. Yeah, lots of memories. And then, of course, like years later, they spawned into the the 360 and now we're at the Xbox One and and Series X and all that. Um, Game wise, you know, as far as exclusivity, it's a little different now. The landscape's a little different. But Microsoft is really making a name for themselves again all over by, you know, gathering a lot of developers, big time developers, and making them Xbox first party developers, right? So, of course, we have Halo Halo Infinite that's going to be coming out shortly. Everyone's speculating when when is Fabled, you know, 3 coming out. We were teased about it. Um so a lot of interesting stuff to look forward to um 
And with Xbox Live, you can't deny the fact that, again, they're leading things as far as online gaming is concerned because now with Xbox Game Pass, especially Ultimate Game Pass, the amount of stuff that you could play online every month just by paying a monthly fee, you don't know how much money I've saved on games this past year because everything came out on Game Pass that I wanted to play. So for me, that was a huge game changer, right? Now with Xbox, with the Xbox Cloud Gaming, they're looking to really revolutionary revolutionize. Why do I keep messing up that word? I don't know. Um, maybe I had too much caffeine. But, you know, they're really trying to change the landscape when it comes to cloud gaming. I tested how it is to play remotely and through the cloud games on your phone. And I was shocked on almost how seamless it is. They're on to something there. And, you know, I think moving forward, their whole focus, it's pretty obvious to me, is cloud gaming. Being able to play their games anywhere on almost everything. It's not so much the systems anymore. It's all about the software, the content. And I think it's a very smart move on their part. And I'm looking forward to what the next couple of years are going to look like. But yeah, 20 years ago, their venture started. So I'm sure a lot of you have fond memories of either Xbox or the GameCube. You know, whether you've owned one, you've owned both, or you've experienced playing it at a friend's house or somewhere. You know, I would love to hear what those memories are like. Uh, so again, leave those thoughts in the comments. Um, Obviously, I wanted to talk about Disney Plus Day and D Destination D23. Um, I, mainly because of how confusing those events were. You know, Disney Plus Day came and gone uh, one day. And you would think with Disney Plus, they would have held maybe a live stream convention panel style on this platform but they didn't they released like 10 minute videos maybe two of them only behind the scenes of obi-wan i think that was even five minutes not really showing much and then like a 10 minute marvel sizzle reel about all the content that already came out and quick quick glimpses of the new stuff so as of this, the recording of this, Hawkeye just came out with the first two episodes, but they gave us this amazing, amazing tease of um, Hawkeye with this really like cool action one shot with Hawkeye and Kate Bishop in the car fighting off the tracksuit mafia with the camera panning around, all like looking like one take. We saw something somewhat similar in Quiet Place 2 at the beginning of that. So I thought that was exciting. That was really trying to set the tone of how this show is going to be like. Um, then we got a, a tease of Moon Knight. We finally got to see how that looks like. Very quick though. 
Miss Marvel, same deal. Very quick. Maybe not even a minute. And then a bunch of logos. Ugh. Wonderful. But the way they were releasing a lot of the other news was all through tweets and Instagram posts. You know? But everyone I felt was confused. Like, where do I find this new news? Where do I, you know, where do I watch the trailer? Where do I watch the teaser? And I felt like because of that, things get lost so easily or forgotten. Right? So it would have been nice to kind of see them handle it a little different, a little differently. And outside of that small little Obi-Wan news, that was the only bit of Star Wars news we got from Disney Plus Day. So all the Star Wars fans were hoping for more information on Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian Season 3, What's happening with the movies? The movies. You know? I felt like a lot of the news that we heard is coming after the fact. Like the whole Patty Jenkins not now doing that Rebels movie. Which is disappointing. And then shortly after that, they also announced that they will no longer in the future hold these type of presentations announcing the slates that they're working on like last year we got Disney investor day which I thought was brilliant chock full of information and reveals that's where we got the reveal about the Patty Jenkins news and you know all the movies they were making for Star Wars and the you know the streaming uh, series same with Marvel you know now we're not doing that anymore starting next year because I think they're afraid that they're going to be caught out there putting their foots in their mouths and changing things up again because some things don't work out. It's really unfortunate. I think it's a dumb move, you know. But, you know, we were able to get some glimpse of what they're working on animation-wise, Pixar, you know. I'm really looking forward to that new Baymax TV series, uh, the streaming series on Disney Plus. That looks like that's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. But the huge surprise from Disney Plus Day that was so out of left field that nobody was expecting was that they are going back to the X Men 90s cartoon universe and they're creating a sequel to it, a follow up. X Men 97. I was like, what? That blew my mind. If you were growing up in the 90s. Now, I'm more of an 80s kid. In the 90s, I was like in my teens. Still, I watched a lot of that stuff. And X-Men was a must-watch Monday to Friday. After school. It was the first time that we had a dedicated animated show that took storylines directly from the same comics that we would read every month. Exploring a very complex group in the X-Men, in the X-Men universe. But they stuck to the storylines. Some arcs lasted days. And it was so well done. I don't know if you, you remember, McDonald's had a promotion where... 
Um, if you bought something or whatever, you could buy a VHS tape that contained one or two episodes. I think I have some of those VHS tapes somewhere in the storage. But that's how big this thing was. Then the toys came out and what have you. So the fact that they're going to go back to this universe is fascinating. And again, this is now the first official X-Men announcement within the Disney Marvel Universe. Now, it's an animated form, but still it's something, right? Um, so I'm really, really excited about that. You know, I'm curious. Are they really going to maintain the same animation style? What are they going to do with the voices? What storylines are they going to talk about and, and, you know, portray? So very, very excited about that. Probably the best thing that came out of Disney Plus Day overall. Hands down. And then this past weekend, we had Destination D23, which was more centered around the theme parks. I know attendees were able to see the first two episodes of Hawkeye early during that weekend. Um, they talked about a lot of things that are going down in Disney World, Disneyland, the international Disney's. You know, I do love the fact that here in the U.S., we're finally going to get Tron that you can only ride uh, in Shanghai Disney. You know, basically, it's a light cycle roller coaster ride, which I am so looking forward to, even though I hear it's really short. But they also teased us with the new Star Wars uh, hotel. I forgot what it's called. And the things that you're able to do. They they showed us the real working lightsaber that their engineers or imagineers were able to conjure up. Where you actually have uh, an extended blade, an extended lightsaber. Now, granted, it looks like a prototype still because they were really, really being careful handling that thing. But they showed you some of the things that you could get involved in at the hotel. That will cost you and your family probably... 10 years worth of salary just for a week or three days, the three-day adventure, they call it. You know, they're pricing a lot of us out of, of these experiences, and I'll talk about that another time. But, but yeah, that was it. And, you know, again, I, I don't know what Disney is doing right now. I feel like they are um, re restructuring how they do their marketing and, and everything. I know they are desperately in need of subscribers because their subscriber growth is not exactly where they were expecting for Disney Plus. Despite all the amounts of content they, they put out this past year, especially for Marvel fans and Star Wars fans. So um, as of today, there was an article that I read that they're looking to spend $32 billion worth of content for Disney Plus in 2022. $32 billion. That's a lot of freaking dough. But that's how serious they are about growing this platform of theirs. And I think they have potential to make this platform huge. Honestly, I think it sits above Netflix right now for me. I watch definitely a lot more content on Disney Plus than I do on Netflix these days. Still, number one is HBO Max because... I do watch and have a tendency to watch more movies than series and all that. Plus, it helped that this year they were doing day and day release. 
day and date release of new movies for Warner Brothers stuff, right? So that helped. But yeah, um, what out of Disney Plus or Destination D23 excited you guys? Um, I'm sure we're, we may be sharing the same um, reactions to a lot of things that went down. Um, how did you, what did you think of the format? Destination D23, even though they made it available to the public, you can only watch it streaming live through their Twitter uh, handle. And if you missed it, there was no rewind. They didn't upload it anywhere, which I thought was bizarre. I don't know why they did it that way. At least like with Investor's Day, if you went to the website, you had access to the video anytime. You know, all the announcements that they made on Disney Plus Day, you just have to go backwards in through their, their handle, through their post, and you can still find them. But for Destination D23, there's no rewatchability. Why is that? You know, I don't know what's going to happen once they really hold the D23 event that they used to hold like every other year or whatever. I think a lot of people are really looking forward to those days to come back because they want to be able to experience their fandom of Disney with everyone else, just like Star Wars Celebration and all that, which is coming back next year. You know, barring any other world events happening, you know. So, interesting stuff all around, guys and gals. Uh, but that is the show for this week. I'm going to wrap things up right now because uh, it is getting a little over. But again, I love discussing all these things with you. Um, no collectible of the week this week. Uh, I am trying to figure out and restructure how that is going to go down in the future. Um, but if you stay tuned again through uh, on Black Friday uh, or through the weekend, you may see a special video about geek gifts for the holidays. Most of those will be collectibles, so be sure to stay tuned for that. I have a lot of reviews that are going to be uploading this weekend. Um, I was able to see the new Resident Evil movie, Welcome to Raccoon. That shows you my little reaction. Um, House of Gucci with the Muppet uh, called Jared Leto. Uh, So Again, my uh, thoughts on the two episodes of Hawkeye will be coming out. So a lot of stuff as always. So definitely, if you want to see all that stuff, make sure you're subscribed to the Loki Geek channel on YouTube. Don't forget, smash that like button, punch it up a notch. Um, for you audio listeners or those of you who are curious about listening on audio form, you could just find the Loki Geek channel in your podcast pod- podcast platform of choice like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All the relative links could be found in the description of this show. It's Thanksgiving, guys. Please take a moment to uh, think about everything that you were able to accomplish this past year and give thanks for all that stuff. Give thanks for those who are around you. Give thanks to um, those who've been able to help support you, whether it's with kindness or affirmations or whatever the case is. Be thankful for your health. Be thankful for where you are in this life, that you are able to enjoy all of this stuff that we talked about. Um, Like I say every week, make sure to always take a moment for yourself. Read a favorite book of yours. Play your favorite game. Watch a favorite movie. Do something new. 
to allow yourself to unwind from all the stuff that's happening around you. There's nothing more important than your mental health and you should always be aware of that. Please make sure to stay cool, stay classy, stay safe, and I'll catch all of you guys next week. All right, y'all. Peace.